After all the news that broke this week, I think it's time that we ask the question no one's asking. What does this mean for Frank Caliendo? Yeah, we better get to it. This is the push-up. Okay, everybody, welcome to the new episode of Hunchhop Podcast, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week. Well, gets you ready for the next. I'm your host, Scott Hogan, and joining us, as always, it's... Dan, unsubscribing from email and text chains, right? Dan, uh, oh boy, another big off-the-field coaching side news week, Uh, and the amount... That has broke on this this news thing alone. Obviously, this is where we're starting. Um, between the last time we recorded and this time, you brought it up too. Like we went the full gamut in the uh, um, the John Gruden press of this. Yeah, when we <laughs> when we finished last week's episode, this was not a faint flicker in the Twitterverse. This had mm-hmm. not even come up. No one was discussing it. I think like. Wednesday morning when we put the episode up, it was like, hey, by the way, uh, John Gruden's in some shit. Yeah. Uh, how severe is the shit? We're about to find out. And uh, lo and behold, by Monday night, it's the full shit. Yep. And he's gone. So, hey, we get to discuss it and start off the show with it. John Gruden, we we kept asking the question kind of under our breath, like, who's the first coach gone? Who's going to be the first guy getting replaced? Because there's always a handful every year. Who would have thought it was in Las Vegas and these Raiders? You thought uh, oh, the job security yeah. was there for the man who signed a 10-year, $100 million contract just back in 2018. Uh, he served three-plus of it, and now he's out. Um, due to, let me just real quickly throw this out here for anybody who's under a rock and, and joining our podcast going, wait, what? Yeah, uh, emails that were uprooted that have a racist, misogynistic anti-gay language most of it about the commissioner um the initial report that came out the first email that gets leaked is uh right before the weekend of games and uh it's just about the nfl players association leader um what's his what's his name the nfl pa head oh demora smith demora smith and it's very racist comments about the man's uh um, appearance about his lips. Um, what, what was it said, Dan? Do you want to quote it? He said I'm he had, turn to you. Well, he said he had lips. Wait, why? Just oh, because I'm never <laughs> running for public office. I understand. <laughs> Scott's eventually going to be the mayor of Naperville, so he can't be no. heard to utter these words. I just feel like it's, it's weird a direct that I say. quote. Yeah, it's a direct, direct quote. quote. John Gruden said he had lips like Michelin tires, and he tried to back. Which, yeah, yeah, the. The worst thing, sorry, the worst thing he did was say something super obviously racist, you know, it was like, you know, whatever he could have said about Demora Smith's appearance, when you tie it into stuff that is directly associated with like, you know, tropes about African Americans, you don't mention certain things about certain ethnicities for the simple reason that you just, you're going to start a fucking fight. You're going to start a fight. You want to comment on Demora Smith's hands? Go crazy. 
go crazy. You want to talk about you want to talk about an Asian person's nose? Go bananas. But there are just certain things where you're like, oh, that particular body part associated with that particular ethnicity. Oh yeah, that's right. That's been a racist thing for fucking centuries. Yeah, so and that's why. Yeah. And then wanting to be like, oh, I call people like that rubber lips because they can't stop lying. It's like, really? Oh, okay, God. well, where is there another email where you call anybody white if you say they got tire lips? Because, you know, they had like 655,000 emails. Yeah, and that's, that's a the- lot of emails. And you never called anybody else, uh, you know, you never said, this guy's got fucking Dunlaps. You know, this, <laughs> this fucking guy's out. Out here with the, you know, the Kubotas. This guy's got those, this guy's got those 20-inch rims on his, on the front of his chompers. Like, <laughs> you never said that shit about anybody else, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, that's bad. Trying to backtrack it is bad, like, and then, and then when they're like, oh, by the way, we have, like, several other emails, and he was like, all right, peace, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta, yeah. Yeah, this stuff, but again, this is clear. This stuff comes out on, uh, like, the Friday or whatever before the weekend of games. He coaches a losing effort against the Bears, and then they go, okay, well, there's a bunch more, though, and none of it's good. And it's um, calling uh, Roger Goodell a faggot. I mean, that's poss- on there a bunch. There's a... Uh, yeah. Emails with the former president of uh, Washington football team, the then R-words, Bruce Allen. And that's where all this is coming from, is that investigation into uh, Dan Snyder and the football team and the seedy, seedy people that seem to be working there or were working there. I don't know. Maybe they cleaned yeah. up now since then because this guy was the ex-president. No. who uh, It's Dan Snyder. <laughs> yeah, we touched on this. There was the uh, issue uh, – the, the – um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? The straight up uh, awful scenario of blackmailing these cheerleaders into having like topless photos. And now these are being shared yeah. on a team's email, apparently. These are some of them that were uprooted to, to John Gruden. <laughs> so he's got some it's, of those. It's always a marvel. Like, it's almost like people just don't have fucking consideration about like people go well we just shared some photos of some titties well you shared coerced titties nobody likes coerced titties <laughs> that's not what we're looking for this is like there's some consent issues here like there's some well, nobody should status also, issues here nobody you know? should be above keeping their job if they're doing that on their work email i don't think so yeah also Sorry. <laughs> that's a huge thing that's also yeah. huge like i you know you and too? i do not text oh. on my work phone not because we ever say anything like super dis- fucking racist, but like also it has nothing. To, you have nothing to do with my normal everyday nine to five job, right? We're not Granted. idiots. Yeah, it has nothing to. Yeah, that's true. Like, the, the, this is in, within the NFL, I guess. So maybe there was some kind of connection to. By the way, we'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it'd be one thing if these emails like, but John Gruden's working for ESPN. This is the best part. John Gruden's yeah. working for ESPN, and ESPN's like horrible statements made by the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Like, well, but he, when he made them, he was working for you. <laughs> for you, like, yeah. he wasn't working for the Raiders. These were these were done in his, you know, capacity of and, being the host and, of Monday Night Football, motherfucker. 
Our guess is he's got some coworker friends at that time that he shared this shit with too, and they all Absolutely. still probably work there or did at that time for sure. Yeah, no, there is so many of these other people back behind here. Like, why haven't we heard what Dan Snyder and all those other people? Like, why is this the only leaks we've heard? Uh, also, more so, there's yeah. This is the weird thing. I love titties, Scott. You know this. You love titties. I don't know where we're going I, with this. No, but here's where I'm going. Have I ever sent you pictures of titties? No, you and me have never. That's not something, no. though, that I feel the need to do ever. No, but that's because we're not fucking active creeps. You know yeah, what I mean? Like that's true. We're both men who enjoy titties, and yet we are not men who have exchanged these photographs because that's a fucking creepy thing to do that's done by creepy-ass old white dudes who are like, here, look at these topless photos. Like, yeah. that's fucking strange. Like, all of this behavior is at its core done by guys that are like, nobody can touch me. Let me do this creepy fucking thing on a work email right. to another fucking guy that's going to give me creepy shit back. Like, yeah, just the core of this is about a bunch of guys that don't think they're touchable, don't think anybody's coming for them, and also mean this shit. Like, the only thing I agreed with in all of John Gruden's emails were when he called Roger Goodell pussy, which is great, which is fantastic, and I wish that was the only thing that came out of this because that would be awesome. <laughs> but all the other shit, when you get into it, you're oh. like, oh, you're just kind of a hateful, like, conservative psycho. Yeah. Oh, right. The NFL is entirely populated by hateful conservative psychos who are like, tamp it down, tamp it down. Yeah. It's like every head coach in the NFL. You know Dan Campbell, as much as I loved his post-game interview, was watching this going like, fuck, I got to check my emails. Like, <laughs> the amount of head coaches in the NFL that are probably like, fuck, get the server, hack the server, get get Tom Cruise Mission Impossible ass in here to wipe these servers clean. Because I guarantee you, there's other dudes on this shit. And the NFLPA is like, we want all those emails. That's the crazy, that's the next you know, shoot a drop. The NFLPA is like, we want all those emails from your investigation. We want to see them publish them. And the yeah. NFL is like, oh no, our active blackmail trove. <laughs> what, oh, whatever man. will we it's do? It's a black eye. It's a it's a big old black eye alone. Yeah, just Gruden because of how long he has been a part of this league in one way aspect or another, and how how many hands his pockets have been in and things like that. So. You're right. Um, read the article. Uh, I think the most recent one was like New York Times that came out last night uh, when he got resigned. Uh, you know, they updated the article at, after he resigned yeah. on that because I think that's what led to it. It goes like step for step with things like, yeah, he was against uh, the Rams drafting Michael Sam because he was openly gay. Ugh. Now Carl Nassib plays for him, the only openly gay uh, player <laughs> in the league in that locker room. Uh, and that's the weird thing too. So I'm watching Sunday night football and I watch Tony Dungy and I watch, um, uh, Mike Tirico both take turns defending him. You know what? I know Gruden and, and he doesn't mean these things and he's a good guy and this and that, and he doesn't mean it. And, and they're taking it out of context, etc. I think this is a big problem and it's, you know, this is not NFL talk. Sorry, but this is a big issue with this. No, the shit he said, whether he meant it or not, is very much racist and homophobic. Yeah. So whether he doesn't feel that way about you, who's you know a black person because he's your friend, he still has those thoughts in his head when he sees a specific, you know, uh, you know, and he thinks that about the other race or about the other sex. So that's a problem. Whether it's about everybody, it's not a, 
you know, it, it probably isn't about people he gets to know. He, he probably looks and like, you know, well, you're you're one of the good ones. Uh, I, you know, I'll knock on wood with you guy, and that's not that's a problem. That is a problem. I I think there is a component of this that, as we get into it, worries me though. Hmm. You know, the old expression: "People in glass houses shouldn't throw stones." <laughs> sure. We we all. Like, as a straight white dude who sent emails in his teens, I am sure I said some shit. Positive of it. Positive of it. You know why? Because I was fucking 17, and I probably was trying to be funny, and I didn't give a fuck, and I had very, like, teenagers are sociopaths, and I probably had no empathy, and I said some shit. I really hope that as a 35-year-old man, no one ever finds my emails of when I was 17 or 18 and goes, oh, 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 hold your feet to the fire for this. Because I'm sure they're out there. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there listening that are like, oh, did I ever say anything? Like, Because Gruden came out, and one of the things he goes, there's never been a blade of racism in my heart. And that's not true, because there's a blade of racism in everyone's heart. (laughs) There's something in every single person that's a little bit hateful. And sometimes you let other people fan the flames of that. And maybe Bruce Allen's a huge piece of shit. And John Gruden, when he gets with Bruce Allen's like, oh, I love Bruce. And if he, he gets off on me saying racist shit and then he gets into it. But there is a there's a little thing that we forget about here where everybody's a little bit hateful of what's different from them. Oh, sure. A little bit. A little bit, and I, I know you're getting a little nervous. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, and I can uh, I can whitewash anything you're about to say. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where I I look at this stuff and I go, all right, John Gruden was a man in his fifties or forties when these things came out. Right. That anchor's set. You know, you're you're a man in your forties. You are what you are. Also, you know, this is kind of fitting in with Gruden's mo. There's One of my main issues I've had with society today, and I don't want this to be a problems with society today podcast. (laughs) Every single thing we do now is recorded. Every single thing. It's we put it up, we post it. It's in somebody's email somewhere. Every single thing that we do, for the most part, unless we have a human human interaction in a park where there's no drones available, everything we do is recorded. And this is a sort of thing that like. If this had come out after he said it, he'd probably still be a coach in the NFL. Because he'd be like, I had an opportunity. I did say hateful comments. I had an opportunity to learn. But now that it's like you were hiding this shit, this came out, you did this 11 years ago and you're hiding it, he probably honestly has grown since then. But it's not enough. He's a man in his 50s. He said this shit when he was 40. He hasn't grown enough for anybody to be eligible to forgive him. And now John Gruden has an interesting choice, which is what every cast-off conservative white guy gets, which is you either learn and grow or you go to Newsmax and you now become (laughs) the conservative football pundit, you know, because those are the two things that happen. John Gruden now can't make money at ESPN. He can't make money at the NFL. He can't do that. So who's going to pay him? People that look at the things that he said and go, okay, so you agree with us a little bit. And then there's this weird darkness that exists for people that have had dark thoughts 
said bad things, and instead of being given the opportunity to eventually go, hey, you know what, I fucked up super bad, I said some shit stuff, some, can anyone forgive me? Because I need to feed my family. Now, John Gruden's a rich guy. I hope he's stockpiled up some nuts yeah, uh, for this yeah. winter that's coming. But if he didn't, he's getting a job at a radical right-wing radio station or somewhere. Somebody's going to pay him to actually say more shit like this. And somebody's going to pay him to be like, oh, by the way, the NFL did this for like these reasons. Because this also does kind of look like a conspiracy against certain people in the NFL. Oh sure. Now, and, and, because yeah. the NFL is not releasing the whole thing. Yes, and so we now only this know feels that. conspiratorial, and it's just like this is all going to be shit that gets taken over by the conservatives who are already kind of abandoning football. Like football hasn't made a decision about what the fuck it wants to be. You know, do you do you want to be a liberal bastion of change or do you want to be that? Hey, we love Jesus and football and cheddar. Yeah. Like, the NFL is straddling a line, and like the Colossus of Rhodes, that will be its undoing. Now, that wasn't really the Colossus of Rhodes undoing. It actually didn't straddle straight. It's a mis... <laughs> anyway. No, but I get what you... Yeah. You said a lot you, of good things. Like, you things. see what I'm saying? Yes. You said it's a lot of good things there. The core... Sorry. Sorry. The core of bad. what I'm trying to say, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but the core of what I'm trying to say is there has to be a way forward for John Gruden. Because he did say awful shit, but he has to be given an opportunity to learn. He has to be given an opportunity to, like, recover his name, and I don't know how we do that anymore. You know, it used to be you did something shitty and worse shit than saying stuff in an email, because this is bad. Obviously, this is bad shit, but, you know, he he wasn't involved in any openly like open shit like this you know we say like oh he's anti-gay but like he's pretty supportive of Carl Nassib like yeah you know there's there's the shit he thinks privately and says amongst friends and then there's the shit that he does you know and Antonio Brown's like by the way I told you Gruden was kind of a piece of shit and everybody's like okay yeah but Antonio Brown's also fucking crazy so who knows so there's got to be a way forward for these people that we go hey by the way you insulted all of our social mores and the way we feel about ourselves and the way we want to present ourselves as a society but these sort of people can't just be cast out with no chance for reformation otherwise they just get radicalized too sure. and he'll be on some conservative talk show and I, and I don't know like I have no fucking skin in the game for John Gruden I don't love the guy it's an impression that I do that I'd love to be able to you know keep utilizing that impression but if he goes to Newsmax I can do that too you know <laughs> so I got no skin in the game but like just as a society, there's got to be a way forward for these dudes that say stupid shit, do stupid shit. Obviously, they can't be on a pedestal anymore, but like we can't bury them under the jail. I don't know. I don't know. I think you landed on it there at the end. Yeah, that's all right. And here, I vented about it, and you did too, and then a, a lot through what you were saying, I would have like a thing about, oh, yeah, that's what I want to touch on. Oh, okay, I want to touch on that. So you're right. L- <laughs> let's continue on from that. Uh, and 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 leave with like I think he I think John Gruden, given how much money he's made and all this stuff, I think he's gonna be fine. And I think what you're yeah. talking about is he's gonna have to bounce back as far as like what making a living, supporting whatever, uh, outside of the public lights. Maybe that that's probably the best for John Gruden. There's been plenty inside it. That's where he's planned his career, or or he can retire. I'm okay with that too. Uh, um, <laughs> Either to one. back to the NFL news though. The well, this, special this teams the one, coordinator. The Rich one thing Bas- I want to say is, Biasia is going sorry. to be the interim head coach. Yes, Dan. Sorry, the one thing I want to say is, 
as much as this is fun, the worst part about all this stuff, this and the Urban Meyer shit, is this is like the best first five weeks of football I've ever seen. And we've spent <laughs> a lot of time talking about weird off the shit stuff. Uh, it's so strange to me that I'm like, yeah. there's so much off field shit, but the stuff on the field is the reason why we fucking love it in the first place. And ah, yeah, fuck John Gruden, fuck all that stuff. I yeah, let's talk. Yeah. That. And we didn't we didn't start up to our credit. We didn't start off with Urban Meyer last week. That thing was kind of buried in there with the Jaguars game. But this one resulted in a coaching change of a guy who's was supposed to be there for another seven years. So that's huge. So <laughs> yeah, um, and it looked like he was finally maybe turning a three year f- project into something this year. They were looking very good until this shit started breaking and it got kind of ugly for the Raiders. So. Do they bounce back and, or not? And we'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk about it when the game happens. But, man, they played flat against the Bears. They <laughs> that, did. I mean. Yeah. And yeah. So it's speaking it's, volumes now. Yeah, we'll get into it. Um, We saw Patriots getting trading Stefan Gilmore to the Panthers. The Panthers keep trading for cornerbacks. They are uh, all in on uh, their defense this year. And then speaking of cornerbacks, today the Seahawks released Trey Flowers because he requested it. Anything on those, Dan? Um, I mean, I think the Stephon Gilmore thing is makes a ton of sense. He was coming off the pup list, and you know, New England's like, we got to make a decision with you, and we don't want to eat your contract. It was similar to what happened with Jalen Smith uh, last week, where they're like, hey, your contract is onerous. If we can get something for you, and we talked about it a little last week, when you get traded for a sixth round pick, that's a salary dump. That's all yeah. that really is, you know. And Stephon Gilmore has got the skills still. This has nothing to do with Stephon Gilmore, like. Having lost a step, I think he was tired of being in New England. New England was tired of having to look at that number for a team that's not going to win their division. And they're like, give me something. Get Stefan out of here. Otherwise, it's going to be cancerous later on. It's a young team. We're looking to get guys reps rather than old guys paid. And that's that's the transition in the NFL. You want young guys to get reps. If the old guys want to get paid, then get paid somewhere else on a team that's ready to go. Yeah. yeah. So you're noticing, yeah, teams ready to go, teams that aren't ready to go. Dust is settling here in the NFL after five weeks. Um, may we see some tombstones be placed on teams? Is this stuff going to get started? We're deep into the season now. Let's let's jump into week five. What occurred and where we're going with week six? So there were a couple choices a game of the week, and of, co- of course our favorite, the Baltimore Ravens, could have been there again. We'll get to them very soon. But let's start with the track meet that was in L.A., these Cleveland Browns and L.A. Chargers both put up 40, but the uh, Chargers uh, one extra touchdown. It's 42-47. We picked the Chargers. I don't think we were expecting this. No, this was fucking great. Do you know how many total points were scored in the fourth quarter? How many combined total points? Do you, If you have it up, please tell me. Uh, there were 41 points scored in the fourth quarter. Jesus. Yep, looking at that now. 41. Yeah, this game was 20 to 13 Browns Jesus. at the half. Um, what I've started to do with these games and when I'm writing them down is try to keep up with the scoring back and forth. And, you know, when they get a touchdown, extra points and missed ones and stuff like that. It's getting very hard to do that, especially in games like this one. Uh, I can give you the <laughs> stats, though. Mayfield threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Chubb with over 170 total yards from scrimmage, a touchdown. Hunt, two touchdowns. Joku, a touchdown. That's just the Browns. Herbert had four touchdowns passing and ran one in, almost 400 yards passing. 
Uh, Eckler, three touchdowns. Um, Williams for two touchdowns and 165. Just, yeah, this was it. This was, um, if you had any of these guys in fantasy, oh boy, you were going to put up all the points. Yeah, it's, this was a game where the defense went, oh, fuck, we're playing today? (laughs) It was brutal. This was a brutal defensive game. And it wasn't because the defense has played bad. They they actually didn't. If you watch like play for play in this game, they're not getting like shredded. You know, they're just slowly, steadily getting murdered. You know, uh, Cleveland starts off the game basically with like a ten play drive for a field goal. Yeah. You know, and then they <laughs> then the fucking Chargers meet them back with another ten play drive. These are long plays, and eventually. It's like body blows, you know, we talk about this a lot. You have that many plays, that many opportunities to score, to put some points on the board, it's going to happen. No defense can hold up for nine-plus plays on a drive. You're going to get points out of that. You fucking have to. Well, you know? you got the and it long just kept plays. happening that way. You got the long drives, but also if you're going to have these many points, there's there was a 71-yard touchdown by Njoku because he breaks one tackle. There was a... Th- uh, Long two Mario Williams had the forty-two yard touchdown, and then another one I think even longer. Um, tight end uh, Cook had a long touch, True. a long play to get him in field goal range there for the end. Yeah, so it was back and forth, and uh, really, yeah, the Browns could have won this. The Browns could easily win this. It was very surprising that we watched pregame of them touting the Browns defense, and then they give up forty-seven. So that I don't. I'm trying to wrap my head around, but watching the highlights, it was. Herbert looks so confident back there and big in the pocket, just flinging that pass around like he's a vet of five years already. And Austin Eckler is a scat back back there that, you know, looks like, uh, who's, who's the Chargers guy they had back in their prime back there? Uh, I don't know. There's a handful You're of guys. About that Ladanian? Come yeah, not Ladanian Tomlinson, but up there like that. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I was going to say that's high, that's high praise. You're talking about Darren Sproles. I'm probably thinking Darren Sproles maybe for Eagles, yeah. And Kansas State, baby. Oh, he was a Charger. Darren Sproles was a Charger. Okay, that's Charger the, and Eagle. There's my connection then. Yeah, Darren Sproles. Yeah, Eckler looked great. Um, there were missed extra points in this game. There were missed extra points and field goals all week long this week. Uh, <laughs> that was a big running uh, thing for this for week five. Yeah, for sure. I think I I texted you who had a worse week, John Gruden or kickers? Yeah, and it was really right down it's it's 50, 50 right until Monday night. Yeah, you know? pick your moments. Kickers had good moments too, but there was a lot of down until one of them had a good. Yeah, um, yeah. This so big win for the Chargers. Chargers keep racking up these big wins. I'm I'm a big fan of these Chargers right now. Uh, are they? Now the the team to beat in the AFC West, in my mind, yeah, right now they are. Yeah, I think they have to be. You know, you have a direct win against the Chiefs. You have basically a two-game lean on anybody. These Raiders are about to go into free-fall mode. I love Rich Passaccia, but I don't think he's actually going to drag their ass to the playoffs, (laughs) not in that deep of a division. And then the Denver Broncos, we kind of see week by week, get exposed as something less than... uh, a team with a good defense and a decent offense, they're not quite there. So the Chargers ha- kind of have a paved way to the playoffs through the AFC West, um, especially since, you know, they got Justin Herbert, baby. Uh, Justin Herbert looks like the fucking real deal. I'd say I could put Justin Herbert easily 
in top eight consideration for MVP right now. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think he's up there. Um, he's looks great. Yeah. So we see, yeah, we'll see what happens from here. I think, yeah, it's easy to say chargers look like the best team in the FC West when the rest of the division lost, as I realized when I said that, but Hey, we'll, we'll hit them all as we do every week. So let's continue. Um, so this one happened Monday night. And again, like I said, you know, there's this feeling of like, let's just talk about the Ravens at the beginning of every show because there's a good chance they're going to give us a good discussion. Oh, boy. Colts 25, Ravens 31, overtime win uh, for Baltimore. We picked Baltimore, but it should I mean, it didn't look like it was going to be. Colts took the lead in this one. They were up 10-3 at the half, were up 22-3 at a point in the third, and even took a lead up 25-9 in the fourth with about 12 minutes left. Didn't matter. There's a statement about boxers that are considered good showmen where they say they can carry you for a couple rounds, which basically means they could have knocked your ass out in the second round, (laughs) but they wanted to give the fans a treat, so they carried you for three, four, five rounds maybe until they just decided they were done toying with you and wanted to fuck you up. The Baltimore Ravens should have lost this fucking game. Absolutely should have lost this fucking game. There is no way that this team should have scored 16 points in the fourth quarter to even make this a thing. Their offense had been going nowhere all day. I mean, offensively they were able to pass, but they weren't able to run, which is their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. They were getting turnovers all over the place, making bad decisions. And then all of a sudden, Lamar just goes, nah, fuck it. I think I'm going to win this thing. And you could feel Carson Wentz wasn't having a bad game. No. (laughs) It sucked for him because he... Got to go up against Lamar, and Lamar puts the team on his back. I don't know how Lamar's not number one you know, pick for MVP right now. The dude is being ballistic out there. Well, after that game, yeah, he's going to be on the list, the short list too with Herbert and, and everyone else. Um, you said it. They didn't have the run game. We joked about it in the episode after what they did to Fangio uh, <laughs> deep down, like really upset the man. Just to tie the record with the Steelers, they don't get the record because these Colts stop them. Um, we didn't think that could happen, so that was that was the outlook. Was let, let's shut down their run. Lamar was running into the back of his own line and falling down, and he just looked out of it. He goes to run in the uh, ball into the end zone, fumbles it at the two. Like all of this stuff was like, you know what? The Ravens are just kind of getting in their own way right here. But it looked like the Colts weren't like just taking advantage of it. Look like the Colts were a good team and the Colts are mm-hmm. one and four and man, it's got to suck to be a Colts fan right now because yeah, you look like you could be very good. Um, Wentz had, yeah, 402 yards in this game, two touchdowns, but then he had a real bad fumble in a opportune time there. Um, you got Taylor hitting 76 yard touchdown screens to start off the game. He looks awesome. And Pittman, oh, I think I texted too that he looked like Randy Moss on that touchdown. He went up over that guy and took it into the end zone like that. That I remember that Monday night game in Green Bay, man. Oh yeah, that that took that took me back. One. So I was kind of enjoying this Colts uh, show, being like, "This is good for them. They're the underdog. They're on the road. Ravens look like a very good team this year. Look at this Colts upset happening." And then sure enough, you're right. The the Ravens were kind of like, "But we're close enough." and yeah, we can put 16 on in the fourth and then go win it in overtime. Why not? <laughs> yeah, whenever whenever we're close enough is two touchdowns and two extra points, 
that's that's <laughs> insane. Like the fact that they were able to do this, and then it was very interesting because this is at M and T Bank. You know, this is in Baltimore, mm. and when they won that coin toss, it was over. Yeah. I mean, you could even you could feel it on the Colts sideline. Like when you, when you just ate shit for an entire fourth quarter. Yep. You need you're like, hey, just give the offense a chance to do something. The defense needs a fucking break. And instead, they're like, nope, Ravens ball, and it was done. It was over. Like that that last drive, honestly, for Baltimore in overtime, I I wasn't even fucking interested because yeah. I knew that the Colts were spent. And he still And lo and behold. Yeah. You still gotta get in the end zone. They change those rules, and I know there'd be people if this was a bigger game, ah, oh, give the Colts offense a chance, wanna see it that way or whatever and and a, you know, move until, and we've had this conversation over and over again, but a move to the college overtime would be always be fun. But that was, that's a kind of a cool feeling too, where it's like, it comes down to this coin flip because of all the momentum the Ravens have built up now behind them. Uh, Got to give it up for Andrews who had both of the touchdowns and both of the two point conversions there in the fourth to come back. He was like, real quiet up until that fourth quarter and they're like oh yeah catches everything 11 catches 147 yards and um hollywood brown kind of getting off the schneid he was dropping some touchdowns and he caught some big ones in, in this game last night so they bounced back blankenship for the colts had a bad game uh one miss was his fault and the other one was a block but it was a, such a miss opportune block and it was all um uh, what's the big guy? Uh, Calais Campbell. Man, Calais Campbell's still doing it after all these years. That's a future oh, Hall yeah, of Famer. Yeah, because Calais there. Campbell is a fucking freak. I mean, the guy's what six foot, six foot fourteen. I don't fucking know. The guy's enormous. Yeah, he's a fucking human monster, and he gives a shit about football, and he loves playing inside. Like <laughs> those are the sort of guys. Like you shouldn't be able to play inside at six seven. You should be always having leverage problems, and Goliath Campbell doesn't because he's a fucking monster. Um, yeah, I love it. I, it's as much as I would say, yeah, it's it's Blankenship's fault that he missed that final kick. It's still forty-seven yards. You know, it's, it's still a, a tough. Yeah, it's not a gimme. You know, he didn't he didn't fucking shank it. It's just he missed it. He hooked it. Um, there was and some, at that point, you know, sorry. if you're a Colts fan, you're like, it's over. There was something earlier too where they were lining up for a kick and had Sanchez kick it, their punter. And then they were like, okay, well, now Blankenship's out there after there was a offsides by the uh, Ravens. So maybe Blank Blankenship was dealing with an injury or something where he couldn't kick? Well, he was. Yeah. He was having hip problems before the game. Um, they mentioned it during the broadcast that, you know, he's when you're having hip problems as a kicker, that's kind of a big deal. You yeah. know, it hurts your rotation, hurts your torque. That might um, kept and it seemed like it hurt his aim. Yeah. 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 So, oh, man, Colts. Uh, this is tough. This is tough because I don't know if Carson Wentz is going to stick her. You know, he's he's not old, but is he going to stay healthy enough to be a future for you? But you got other youthful stuff there like Pittman and Taylor and, and uh, that defense and, you know, when Quentin Nelson gets healthy and all that stuff. So maybe this in the year, but maybe you keep building on it. I don't think you change around coaching or anything due to the trip you've had so far. But, you know, I haven't watched Colts games super close. <laughs> Well, there's there's one thing we need to start thinking about, unfortunately, and that is the conditional draft pick for Carson Wentz. Oh, really? If you remember, yeah. If you remember, that conditional draft pick is tied to playing time. And if that's you're right. going to give up a conditional draft pick for a team that's not making the playoffs 
for a quarterback that's not making the Pro Bowl and maybe won't be with you next year, is that something you really want to do? Or do maybe you say, hey, uh, you know, we're one and four. If we go one and six, maybe we start Jacob Eason and Carson Wentz doesn't see the field again. <laughs> and then Eagles fans everywhere go, no fair. And then Sam Ellinger comes back in and they're like, yeah, you're right. We're going to give it to Sam Ellinger. And they're like, no, fuck you. And Carson Wentz wastes away on this team and is a free agent next year and is able to kind of try to rebuild his career again. But, you know, it's some, even it's, in the AFC South, you're not coming back from one and six. Yeah, it's a conniving thought, but uh, I think it's also wishful thinking on the anti-Eagle fan over here. But we'll see. <laughs> it's true, yes. If somebody makes a move yeah, like that's that. That's always true. Um, let's talk about this game. This is the first one we get to discuss for week six. The L.A. Chargers going to Baltimore to face the Ravens. Uh, sounds like the future game of the week, my friend. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. who wins it? Um, the fans. The fans of the <laughs> NFL. Because the Baltimore Ravens put on a goddamn show. Um, this is one of those things where when it's close, you know, we talk about, I think home field gives you three points. Honestly, I think it does. Yeah. Home field gives you three points. And I feel like when a team travels from one coast to the next, they lose three points. Hmm. So I think this is probably a one-touchdown win for the Baltimore Ravens because I really do feel like they're just as talented as the Chargers. Their defense, like everybody's raving about the Ravens' defense. They did not show up in this game. They weren't really very good. But I I think this Baltimore team, if they can get the run back going, that's going to be very problematic for the Chargers, who are a very pass-rush heavy team. So I'm going to pick the Ravens, but it's a close game, and I, I would not be surprised if this ends by less than, you know, Less than a field goal. Yeah, it looked like they were kind of uh, attacking. Man, was it Tavon Young? No, Averett there uh, on in the cornerback there, twenty three for the Ravens, and they were having success with it. And uh, the Chargers might be able to do that. I, there's a handful of games this week that are very tough. I think this is one of the three or four I was struggling with looking at it earlier. I think the Chargers are a better team right now. Like I said uh, when we talked about that game, mm. I like a lot of what the Chargers are showing me. So I'm going to take them on the road in that one. But, yeah, it could – I mean, the Ravens are going to be in it. It's going to be a great game, probably, you know, near to the end of overtime, and we'll see which kicker can make more than they miss. And it's probably Tucker. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to still go Chargers. (laughs) Uh, It is a noon start on on Sunday. So, um, yeah, let's continue on and talk about – Let's go to the NFC West, where the Cardinals beat the Niners, seventeen to ten. The Cardinals continue their undefeated streak, uh, now five and zero. Trey Lance's first start uh, di- didn't have uh, didn't go off as game busters. He had an interception, but uh, led the team in rushing, and uh, they they moved the ball a little bit with him. Now it was Murray, Rondell Moore catching some crazy catches, and uh, then. The Cardinals going up and just kind of holding them off with some good defense in this one. Yeah, this was a defensive struggle all the way. I mean, as much as Kyler was productive, he wasn't torching the San mm-hmm. Fran. Uh, like, I'm always weirded out by divisional matchups because you never know what you're going to get. We've had a high-powered Arizona offense almost every game this entire year. They come up against the Niners, who are probably not as good as they were on defense even two years ago. And all of a sudden, Kyler Murray's getting, you know, confused at the line. They got no run game. I know James Conner scored a touchdown, but he had less than three yards per carry. Like, 
this was not a team that was giving up a ton of points. This was a San Francisco team that defensively was like, we've got to give the kid a chance. Yeah, We've got to give the kid a chance. We've got to you know hold tight for this game, and they really did. But Trey Lance is a rookie in his first start. Looked good for that. I think Garoppolo in this system is probably better for them right now, but if he stays injured for a week or two, Trey Lance may be able to work himself up into a permanent role. Yeah, it's very interesting because it's it's completely different offenses. So it's it's when do you really pull that string for Trey Lance and never look back? Because I don't see why you would uh, when you drafted him so high. Um, this is a a very disappointing 49ers team in my book, though for this season. I was expecting a whole lot more out of them, even with just Garoppolo starting. I thought their defense and everything else was going to do better in this now, and I don't know if I see if it's just a bunch of injuries and stuff. It doesn't seem like nearly as bad as it was last year, but we saw the injury that happened to Seattle, and we'll talk about that one uh, soon, but I don't know. The Niners are looking like they could end up at the bottom of this division again. Um, we know what the Cardinals are doing, but yeah. Washington Niners have already uh, lost to Seattle once. Yeah, I think the the Rams are good. The Cardinals right now are the top of it, and I don't think they're going to be the bottom of it because I think the Seahawks are about to go into free fall too. I know we have to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would be very hard-pressed to see these Niners make it a playoff after the start they've had. Uh, Lance does have a sprained knee. That's something to look at here moving forward too. He's not uh, completely healthy. Niners went 1-5 and five on fourth down in this game. Watching those highlights is like another fourth down. The Niners just giving the ball to the Cardinals. They didn't want to punt too much, but they, they surely didn't ca- capitalize. Um, so the Cardinals keep winning. Uh, we're going to keep moving because, hey, it's 40 minutes. We've only been through three games. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about some games, though, for next week. The Arizona Cardinals are going to Cleveland playing the Browns. This is certainly one that, that I I think is a coin flip. I'm going to give this one to the Browns. Browns are at home. This is the battle of the short QBs. This is the battle of the Oklahoma number ones. You know, this is a a game that the Browns desperately need to win to stay competitive in the AFC North. And Arizona, once again, traveling across the country, that's worth three points. I don't think Kyler Murray has seen a defense with, you know, I know he hasn't seen Miles Garrett. Right. That's what I fucking know for certain. So I think that's going to be very interesting for him. Um, I feel like the Browns have pretty good coverage. Denzel Ward on Hopkins is an interesting matchup to me. Um, I don't think he's going to neutralize him because nobody can neutralize Nuke, but I think this is going to be an advantage for the Browns. I think the Browns win this game. Yeah, uh, so I'm with you because I, I, given this thought before we started recording, that's the one I was leaning towards, just Browns at that time. I think the Cardinals, God, you watch that game on uh, Sunday and there were so many off-schedule plays, and I it's Kyler Murray all day long, and it just can't work forever so there's gonna be a trip up here for these Arizona Cardinals I just feel like there has to be um they don't feel like world beaters at at that top level for me they don't feel like what the Buffalo Bills are so I will take the Browns at home too yeah I think the I think they're a different class than the Bills the Bills right now are top tier and then I think we're talking about Cleveland Browns somewhere in the second tier with you know the maybe not maybe the Chargers are top tier but it's probably Bills, Chargers, 
Browns, Chiefs, somewhere in there making a mix of it. But, you know, there's, doing a power those ranking. teams are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, off the top yeah, of your head. Yeah, it's, it's a loose – I've been it's doing It's a loose one. power ranking. I mean, we'll – yeah. Oh, do you actually? I have been. Yeah, one? just just something uh, sitting here, like at work. I've been like messing with one side. I've been doing one since because I like I started before the season, like a a guess on my own, and then rankings throughout. Now I'll tell you, the Niners are in free fall. I'll just tell you that. Uh, but they've okay, got there you go. they've got a chance to uh, to rebound there. They got a bye week, so they they can fix some things here. As bye weeks have finally hit us, Niners are one of the four teams with a bye week this week. So we'll talk about them in a week or so um <laughs> moving right along let's talk about the new england patriots beating the houston texans this was a tight one 25 to 22 uh, obviously in all said and done here this season will it tell us much about these teams i don't know if that's the case but we saw both teams score touchdowns on their opening drive and miss extra points six to six that was just a fun little start um Texans jumped up though again, twelve to six. They held that lead for a while. They were up fifteen to nine at the half. In fact, were up twenty-two to nine early in the third. It looked like Texans could take this win, but again, maybe they just looked at it and were like, "Why? We could get a much better draft pick next year." <laughs> so they gave it back to the Patriots. Um, they fight back. They put in two field goals into the fourth. Uh, Texans. On a fourth and four, try a 56-yard field goal with a kicker that was already kind of having issues. So that didn't seem like a smart choice there because it was like 10 minutes left in the game there, and the Patriots just had to take it down the short field to tie it right then. It it was interesting because I liked what this meant for the Patriots, where it's you're kind of getting out-competed. You know, and we talk about it. It seems like the Patriots didn't have a great plan for Davis Mills, which is insane because it's Bill Belichick. How the fuck did he not have a plan for Davis Mills? <laughs> but the second half adjustments were tremendous, and Davis Mills was basically useless for the whole rest of the game. And then the Patriots did what the Patriots always do. They basically ended this game with a 15-play drive that sucked up the entire half of the fourth quarter. Yeah, That... That is keep away ball, man. That is insane. Nobody should be able to do that. That thing started inside the New England 20 and wound up being the game-winning drive half a quarter later. You know, they didn't they did not want to get back into a shootout in the fourth quarter. Yep. Um, you know, they just decided to end this fucking game and then, you know, it ends a couple plays later with a fumble by the Texans, but what else are you going to do? Yeah. No, but you're right. It was a 21-yard field goal, 17 seconds left, and you could just assume Belichick was just like, if this is how I have to win it, then so be it kind of thing. And Yeah, that it speaks volumes. I think he didn't look too much at Davis Mills' tape going into it, and Mills was like, all right, I'm the forgotten child here. I'm going to take what they're giving me, and then he's like, all right, enough of this. And, and put a kibosh on it for the second half that you're right. That's what it looked like. Uh, Patriots were missing four of their five starting offensive linemen in this game uh, and still come away with the win. So I don't know. That's good coaching, good coaching all the way around. They are just cogs in the machine. <laughs> they are consumed by the Patriots' identity. Yeah, I, I would honestly be hard-pressed. I, I'm going to look this up. But I think this is probably, even with Davis Mills losing the game, I want to say this is like the best game ever by a rookie quarterback against Bill Belichick. 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. I I think that's probably true. I'm going to do some research. 312 yards passing, three touchdowns. Davis Mills, we'll have to look. Um, Next week we get the Houston Texans going to Indianapolis to face the Colts. Oh, the battle for the bottom of the AFC South. Well, (laughs) Um, you're forgetting about the Jaguars. (laughs) Oh, sorry. The bot- the battle for the second worst in the AFC <laughs> South. My apologies. Yeah, I I feel like this has to be the Colts. The Colts are not a bad team. They let one slip away on the road against a very talented Baltimore team. Um, I just I don't think I think both of these teams are coming prepped. I feel like if the Colts were, you know, three and two, maybe this is a trap game for them. Um, but they're not. They're desperate for a win. They've got to get. They've got to get two wins on the board. Have to. Uh, to even stay competitive in the South. So I'm, I'm going to give it to the Colts. Yeah, I feel like this is a Jonathan Taylor control the ball, uh, go get it, and don't screw around game, um, especially after what happened on the road in Baltimore. So I like the Colts on a bounce back as well at home. Um, and then we got one more that we want to talk about here before the break today. Let's do the New York Jets and Atlanta Falcons. This was a London start early. Sorry, guys, I, I should have warned you about that. I hope you got up early on on Sunday. I did put a post <laughs> on uh, the social medias there Saturday afternoon so you'd remember. But we got an extra game to watch live, Jets-Falcons. I'm, uh, why complain? Um, Falcons won it, which I picked it, and so did my mom. So we got you on that one, Dan, who went out on the limb for this Jets. But uh, what we saw was a tale of two... Uh, three quarters to one quarter probably uh falcons took off falcons took off early they were up three to 20 at the half uh of course it was cordell patterson again but also their new uh uh toy kyle pitts uh atlanta going into this very banged up missing two starting wide receivers and their i think starting running back too or well they have cordell patterson now he's basically it yeah so, uh, yeah, they He's were banged the up. Yeah. And you're right. A bunch of like the pregame stuff was all positive. Jets probably going to win this. And now the Jets turned it up in the second half. They brought it up to 17 to 20. They were, they had all the momentum at that point, but Falcons late touchdown, take care of business. They won it by seven. So first half is planning. Second half is talent, right? We agree mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Are the Jets more talented than the Falcons? Holy fuck. God, what does that say about the Falcons? Uh, The Falcons that made the trip, yes. I mean, there was no Calvin Ridley, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, this was one of those things. Matt Ryan was an efficient, good, precise Matt Ryan. He was very good throughout pretty much this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, just having Cordero Patterson be a gadget, having Kyle Pitts show the fuck up, and he's like, hey, by the way, I'm really, really good. Please throw it to me more often. Um, you know, maybe this makes the the Atlanta Falcons a bit more dangerous uh, in the NFC South, which nobody's really, I mean, especially after this weekend, nobody's got a stranglehold on the NFC South except maybe the Buccaneers, but they just keep beating up on bad teams. Somebody might be able to shock them. Um, yeah, this, I mean, this is an Atlanta team that made me feel less hopeless This for them. This is also a New York Jets team that made me feel less hopeless for them. As much as this game will probably mean nothing at the end of the year, mm. I feel like both teams got something productive out of it. When they kind of cut Lu- Wilson loose in the second half, he was better than he was in the first. I feel like he's having trouble digesting the offense, but when they say, hey, just go out there and throw the motherfucker, he's doing much better. Yeah, I, 
yeah, it's two not very good teams getting better against each other, and that's nice to see. And you're right. I think yeah. the Jets' offense is still just – I don't know what you – know, they're trying to figure out what they are and what can move it, and there might not be much there right now that can help him out. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I really like his arm, and I think he, you buy him two, three more years. You know, give him as, at least as much time as Sam Darnold have and has and get him some weapons there to see what, what's going on. But, yeah, it's all in what Robert Sala and the front office and stuff kind of do for the Jets and him for success, and that's that's something that has been missing in New York for a good while. The Falcons are an aging team where they found they have some talent in the little spots here, but Cordell Patterson is – they said it in his uh, game, and the Vikings drafted him, and I didn't realize this. It's his ninth season already. Yeah. That's nuts. And, you know, give it up for Cordell Patterson. He was a first-round draft pick, but he's jumped around from so many teams because he's a gadget player. He's not an every-down guy you can count on to kind of go out there and, and run routes and stuff. He doesn't. I don't think he's picking those up. But, man, does he have just talent for days, and that's what you see out there. I think people have learned that with Cordell Patterson, even though you don't have to worry about him, you have to account for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, like, I know that sounds a little odd, but, like, I think they did a great job going, like, hey, Cordell Patterson's on the field, and this is a better wrinkle on this Atlanta team where it's like, maybe he's running. Maybe he's catching a pass. Who fucking knows? You've accounted, you know, you're aware of him. Maybe you haven't accounted for him properly. You don't need to be worried, but, like, Maybe get a guy on him because you never know where he's going to be. This has been the most successful offensive Cordero Patterson I've ever seen. He's always been a special teams maven. Um, right. But, yeah, this is this is where he needs to be, man. This is good. All right. So, yeah, we'll see the, the Falcons do some upsetting. Maybe the Jets get some ideas going on. We're probably looking at the bottoms of uh, the NFL teams, but there's a lot of football left to be played. Both these teams, since they played in London, get a bye week for week six so this is a good time for us to say goodbye but just for the break when we return the two minute no offense and all the us of the games stick it right there we'll be right back this is the push off continue to talk football at you uh we're returned from the break so it's time for that uh, ever classic two minute no offense because no offense but if you find yourself in this portion of the program you're either beating up on bad teams or you're beating up on bad teams and you're the greatest football team in america uh that that tips the hat a little bit uh yeah let's talk about these three <laughs> games dan give me a clock and turbo go. All right, I'm going to talk about the Titans beating up in Jacksonville on the Jaguars, 37-19. Oh, Urban Meyer better put two thumbs up some butts this weekend to, to get over this bad win, man. This is this is tough. These Jacksonville Jaguars do not look talented. They don't look interested. And, uh, yeah, they got the shit kicked out of them uh, by a Tennessee team that needed this win. So it's not unexpected, but 
pretty brutal to watch. Yeah, I'd like to see Robinson getting more involved in the offense once again like he was last season. Uh, but the Titans with Henry, 130 yards, three touchdowns, Landry, two sacks. They de- demolished them. Uh, also demolishing the Buccaneers at home against these Dolphins. Ugh, Dolphins do not look good. 17 to 45? Yeah, of course, Miles Gaskin gets 32 fantasy points for me this weekend, sitting on my goddamn bench. That's the only reason I cared about this game at all. We knew the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to go out there and fuck them up, and they did. Once again, who knows if anybody even gives a shit when Tua gets back. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? This Dolphins team, Brian Flores is going to get fired. Maybe it's his fault, maybe it's not, but he'll be somebody's D coordinator next year, and somebody's got to pick up the pieces on this fucking Dolphins team. Yeah, Dolphins look bad, but let's give it up for the man named Tom Brady. First of all, Mike Evans, two touchdowns, 113 yards. Uh, uh, Brown, 124 total yards, two touchdowns. Fournette, 111 total yards, a touchdown. Uh, But, yeah, Tom Brady threw five touchdowns. He's done this a couple times this season. Uh, I see it on the the list there, and his face is up there, and he's just getting older, but he's getting better, and it's scary. He's he's taking something that that doesn't exist in in this universe realm. Uh, and then finally, I know we're right at time. Giants twenty, Cowboys forty four. Dan, uh, yeah, everybody knew this was coming. The Giants knew this was coming. The Cowboys knew this was coming. Uh, that's time. I will say this: the Cowboys looked fantastic. The Giants were injured to shit. Yeah. This is what you're supposed to do to a bad team. Beat them soundly. And that's exactly what happened. The only thing I do want to talk about this, Dak was great, Zeke was great, everybody was great. Trayvon Diggs is a shutdown corner now. And I don't think there's any debate about it. Six picks on the year. That's ludicrous. That's ludicrous. I am loving this. It has been so long since I've had... I've been making do with defensive guys that are like, he's pretty good, you know, if he can stay healthy. Like, I had my Sean Lees. Yeah. You know, I have my Demarcus Lawrence. I'm like, I believe in Demarcus Lawrence. You know, I, I have Jalen Smith for like six games. He's fucking good. All of a sudden, I've got Trayvon Diggs, and I'm like, maybe he's currently the best corner in the NFL. And I, maybe that's not hyperbole. That's That hasn't happened in Dallas since the Neon Dion days. And I'm excited. Sorry, I know we went past two minutes, but it no. was all for Trayvon. Well, let's talk about this. So you're right. The only reason why that game was in there is because Giants lost everybody, like boom, boom, boom. Uh, everybody was injured. Cowboys were already looking very good. So what does that game kind of tell us type of thing? And that's why we say, you know, put those in the two-minute. But Cowboys at Patriots. Let's certainly continue this discussion on how – how good your team looks because one of us should be enjoying this season and talk about <laughs> you know, now you're going to New England where in a lot of years in the previous this would probably be a loss you'd look at in your schedule but oh lo and behold the Patriots are kind of fixing some things up and stuff here and I'm sure the Cowboys are going to go in there as favorites uh yeah your thoughts on this game Dan um it's an interesting thing they talk about Belichick's defense all the time is he usually takes away the thing that you need the most. He takes away the linchpin of your, uh, that he'll build the entire defense around taking one guy away. Yeah. Feel free <laughs> to do that. Honestly, there, Kellen Moore described the Cowboys offense as aggressively taking what the defense gives us. And I love that philosophically where it's like, Oh, are they lining up? Are they eight men in the box? Great. We'll throw it. Um, oh, are they, you know, 
six men in the box? Great. We're going to run it down their fucking throat with Zeke or Pollard. We don't fucking care. We don't care. Nobody gives a fuck who's getting the yards. There's plenty to be had. So, you know, nobody's starving. Nobody's going hungry. Let's just fucking win. And the offense is just fucking solid. And I don't know if Mac Jones is not going to get seduced into one or two picks to Trayvon Diggs. I, I would be. Good luck, rookie quarterback, against Trayvon Diggs, who is feeling himself right now. And this is a turnover-happy defense in Dallas. I'm going to give it to Dallas. I'm actually going to give it on a big margin because I have never forgiven the <laughs> Patriots for running up the score against Dallas like six fucking years ago. Oh, never well, let them forget it. You got you can't carry that stuff around with you. That's not that's not nope. healthy. Um, It'll be in my eulogy. I'll make my kids put it in there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, obviously I like Cowboys in this one too. Um, oh man, what was I going to say about this game? But I, I like I like the setup here for Dallas. Uh, oh, my brother did ask me. I think he was half joking, but he's like, "Does Kellen Moore want to be the uh, head coach of the Vikings next year?" Because <laughs> we're going to need maybe a flip here to some offense. Um, Cowboys look very good, and you're right. Uh, pick your poison there when it comes to that offense, and that's why the the matchup just doesn't seem good for these Patriots. Um, let's talk about the next London game here, as this weekend we get another one that's starting super early. Miami Dolphins are going to Jaguars home away from home in London. <laughs> it's the Dolphins at Jaguars, and you have to say them as Jaguars. Dan, who do you pick? I have always, when we visit across the pound, yes. favored the Jaguars. However, <laughs> the Jaguars are going up against a Miami team that does have some talent offensively. However, I've been forced to play Miles Gaskin on my fantasy team this week, which means he's going to have zero fucking points, and I'm predicting a Jaguars win. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Jaguars. 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 However, <laughs> I like that. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think that these Dolphins are not a very good team, very much. Uh, I, even with Jacoby or whoever's the quarterback, I just, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> However, the Jaguars are right shit. So, <laughs> I am taking the Dolphins uh, in the early morning game. Dan, did you did you try to watch all the games this last Sunday all the way through? Oh, yeah, I I was... <laughs> Uh, it was interesting because for some reason I just watch everything. I stream everything now. Yeah. But I'm sitting there at like, you know, 8.30 in the morning. My wife's like, what are you watching? I'm like, Jets, Falcons. She's like, what? <laughs> Who are they? Like, she's not even aware that they're an NFL. <laughs> they're two NFL franchises. I don't think I've ever talked to There'd my wife be about no Jets, reason Falcons. to watch that game unless, because it was on the only thing on. It was on. <sighs> Is the only it was the only thing on, and then you know I was like, oh, the Cowboys are on at noon. For some reason, in my head, I got that in. I was like, oh, the Cowboys aren't at noon, but I'm just gonna leave this game on the background. <laughs> so I'm I'm starting to get much better at uh, housework while also playing <laughs> the games on my phone. Uh, and then once the Cowboys are on, it's it's a well known fact in this house. I'm gonna need some attentive time, yeah, to, to pay attention to my Cowboys. So. Yeah. It was a hoot, man, and I got to watch the Sunday night game, and that was a fucking blast, too. So, yeah, it was good all around, man. I popped out of bed to, to watch the early one because I was so excited to do it through the day, but 
the noon one took so much out of me that I watched and then watched it through the late <laughs> afternoon ones. I think by kickoff there, I was I was waning a little bit. So yeah, that, that Sunday night one had a little break where I remember at, at halftime, it's a good thing I went to bed early because I wouldn't have made it. Would not have made it the full 14 hours or whatever football was on on Sunday. But... We get another opportunity, folks, for those of us that didn't. Um, this Sunday, Dolphins and Jaguars kick it off, so get up early and get a cup of coffee in you. Let's continue. Let's talk about a game that uh, turned out a very good one. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles went on the road and beat the Carolina Panthers 21-18. to None of us picked this. My mom, none of us. I'm sick to my stomach. Oh, no. Sick to my fucking stomach. All I did last week was talk about how, you know, these Carolina Panthers are pretty fucking good, man. Pretty good. Jalen Hurts is going to be running for his fucking life. Sam Darnold looked fucking great against this Cowboys defense. And what does he do? There's three fucking interceptions against the Eagles and it looks like dog shit all game. Dog shit. Get a hold of yourself, Sam Darnold. Was this a trap game? It feels like this was a Carolina trap game. How do you have a trap game coming off a loss? <laughs> like... Carolina looked like they hadn't done any fucking research. Like, they were just throwing... They didn't know what the defensive shell was. They were making bad decisions all the way around. He was getting seduced into bad picks. I don't understand what the fuck was happening to this all game. But even still, the Eagles only scored 21 points and probably had Carolina's number the whole game. You know? That's the crazy thing. Like, I know they came back in the fourth quarter, but there should have been no reason... Like, from a talent standpoint, the Carolina lost this fucking game. Just, yeah, sloppy play. Yeah, Carolina jumped in early. Their scheduled plays worked well. They got uh, early touchdown on the board, and then it was uh, the safety over the head of Jalen Hurts. Like, that stuff missed free points. Um, so it was six fifteen Panthers at the half. But Eagles, you know, were within striking distance from there well, once they took uh, the touchdown in the third. So, yeah, a little bit close, but, yeah, Darnold's interception. Darnold's interception was the the turning point that kind of won it for the Eagles there at the end. They convert enough first downs. They just don't give them the ball back after that last one. That's bad taste for the Panthers. Uh, the Eagles, though, are, uh, yeah, with that win, I don't know, maybe the little feisty ones. Can they do it at home? It's the Thursday night game. It is kicking off this week. They are playing the Buccaneers. Dan. Absolutely not. <laughs> I know that I always pick against the Eagles, but like, who's picking the fucking Eagles against the Buccaneers that just dismantled like everybody that they faced all year? Yeah, I think this is Buccaneers going away, but it is a quick turnaround, and you know, Tom Brady probably hasn't emerged from his sarcophagus uh, until sometime Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? But yeah, I'm, I'm taking Bucks. Short week for Tom Brady. He, he doesn't have the opportunity to go to that massage parlor and uh, change himself up into a, a new man like that uh, show on Netflix. I don't know. but um, Oh, living with yourself? Yeah. But, no, I think this is uh, Buccaneers, obviously. They're red hot right now. I think they're one of the top three teams in this league uh, as they're playing. So, yeah, good luck, Eagles. You're at home. It is a short week. Coming off a nice win on the road. So, you got everything behind you to make this a nice run, but uh, you're going up against one of the toughest teams, so good luck. Okay, here it is. Uh, let's talk about the Vikings' second win. They beat the Lions at home, 19-17. to Dance already woofing it. But, uh, yeah, I, I sat through every snap of this one, uh, lived and died by it. 
<laughs> um, the uh, early on, uh, Vikings score. They they have the lead at the half, thirteen to six, and they look like they're going to kind of control this game. Um, offense disappeared in the second half. That is a running thing with them now this season. I don't think the Vikings have had a second half touchdown since week one. Uh, yeah, I think that's the stat. Um, they, they, yeah, they settled down too much here. Justin Jefferson was destroying them. Dalvin Cook out again. And in last minute, so Alexander Madison was the starting running back again. Madison's a good change of pace back. He's a fine replacement, but he was missing some of the cuts. He's missing some of the runs and the run game wasn't nearly as explosive as with Dalvin Cook in there. And that hinders your offense a little bit. But also, so does some bonehead play calling. Because through this game, I saw a lot of second and eight or more where they decided the best choice is to turn around and run the ball. And I I think I saw a list there was about nine plays where every second and eight or more they turned around and ran it. And the best success was maybe four yards and the worst success was a no gain or two-yard loss. Nothing better than that, you know. And and it just saw that over and over again in the second half and watching a Lions team that just, you know, hanging around, hanging around. Even that being said, uh, we get a nice long fifty five yard field goal from our kicker. What? Vikings kicker? Megan? What? <laughs> and that gives them a, a two score lead. And it's starting to feel like, okay, well the Lions are so banged up. They're missing all these offensive linemen heading into this game. They missed any wide receiver like Quintez Cephas that was doing anything this last for them uh, healthy. They lost him uh, right before the half. So it was like, what were the Lions going to do on offense? Absolutely nothing other than run the ball on us. They had a two-headed running back thing. was gashing these Vikings all day long right down the middle, and that got old fast. But... As soon as you took the lead and you forced them to become one-dimensional with a passing, it was over. Sacked them two plays in a row. They turned over on downs. But then the Vikings do miss a 49-yard field goal, give the ball back to the uh, Lions to go down there and kick one of their own, and we're back to a one-score game. Should have been over for them, but again, a fumble so close to the end gives the Lions life. Lions get a touchdown and two-point conversion to tie it leaving 33 seconds and two timeouts for Kirk Cousins to pull a rabbit out of his ass with Adam Thielen line up for a 54-yard field goal, and the Vikings actually get a walk-off. And that's that was that game. Uh, there were little bits in there that I skipped over, Dan, where I was crying in the corner and screaming that we needed to fire all these coaches. <laughs> but, you know, we'll get to that. What do you think? So wins cure everything, right? Mm-hmm. Wins cure all? I mean, it felt uh, better the next morning that it was a W. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the thing. The Vikings aren't going to be rattling anybody's cages this year. Mm. You know, I think that's kind of what we figured out is that they could play spoiler. They might sneak in as like a seven seed. Who, who knows? This team is not horrific. Their defense is good. But, yeah, there's just, there's just some fucking bonehead plays, man. There's just bonehead plays, and that's... That's the toughest thing to get over is the bonehead plays. However, they did come back and go, fuck it, we're going to win this fucking thing. And that means a lot, honestly. Sure. It's easy to let a game slip away. This means you weren't paying attention. But it's another thing entirely to be like, no, 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 we're going to get this fucking thing back. Get on me. Let's go. Let's win this fucking thing. 
And Kirk did that, and, you know, he's sitting there pushing yeah. fucking Zimmer, who's like 90. Like, Zimmer's old as fuck. Grabbing do him that, by, Kirk, yeah, by his sweater shirt and yanking him up into his face, probably screaming, <laughs> you like that, at the top of his lungs. I think sometimes You're Kirk... You're a fucking young man. Since Kirk is Go so do that to Thielen. bottled up in his religion and his gosh darn inism, that sometimes this football and this athleticism and uh, stuff just topples out of this guy and he he probably blanks out and has no idea what's going on i'm sure kirk cousins like as soon as the john gruden stuff's like i gotta find my emails i'm sure i called someone a jerk (laughs) oh no (laughs) oh god i gotta get my but yeah he's a bottled up lunatic um but it's the good kind of lunatic is that white bread unthreatening fucking lunatic the the sort of lunatic that wears socks with uh, with sandals, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of crazy. I'm, it's not too bad. As long as he keeps throwing the ball around like that, yeah, I'll, d- I'll deal with the lunatic that he is. Um, yeah, uh, this one sure felt like a, a, a loss after a win, you know, kind of thing. Like I've never been mm-hmm. more frustrated after a win uh, that I remember than <laughs> this one. And it's not trying to take anything away from the Lions. I think the Lions played a good game. They played to uh to stay in it and they did their best with that it was the vikings playing kind of not to win but playing not to lose uh they didn't play to win they played not to lose that's what it is and that's going to get you in these tight games like they have been this oh first week we lost in overtime and second week we lost to a kick that we if we made it we would have won but that's because you you know we talked what was it a couple of seasons ago we talked about how the Steelers just played their competition so much I think that's the Vikings this year I think the Vikings are very much playing their competition and I think I'm seeing it from the Cincinnati Bengals right now too that's something to look out for but uh it's like you're playing a good team or a bad team you're gonna be in it and then you know see if you can figure out a way to win it at the end and if that's how Zimmer wants to do it Oh man, I can't I can't be on board with that. <laughs> and I feel like it maybe the game's passing them all away. And, and I don't like that cuz I've been a fan of Zimmer's from the word go and this is the first time this season that it feels like yeah, he's he's falling behind uh maybe a little bit here because it it's not all a, a de- an offense that wasn't uh explosive. It's a defense that can't stop the run either right now. Yeah, I the one thing I do want to say and I you know I know your feelings. It's still a win. Yep. You're still in this thing. But uh, just Dan Campbell, got to feel sick for that man. Yeah. Poor bastard. You're right. Let's go back and say for the Lions, this is the second time they've lost this season alone on a walk-off over 50 yards. I mean, it wasn't over 60, over 50-yard kick. <clears throat> and do you remember that Ravens game? It was the same exact score, 1917. Yeah. Like, it just has to be, feel a little bit like uh, uh, just, yeah. A little Groundhog Day? Yep, over and over again. Not not fun. Sorry, Lions, but uh, the role you play this week, I guess. Uh, hey, things When look- they win one, yeah, we're going to be happy. Everybody's going to be happy when the Lions win one. Nobody wants to see this Lions team go 0-16. They haven't been pathetic. No. You're just like, hey, you're just not very talented. And, you know, your head coach seems like a nutcase and you're, you know, you're calling really simple defenses and really simple offenses, but maybe that'll work. Maybe you'll catch somebody napping. I mean, you know, who fucking knows? Yeah, look at what you're, you're working with and it's a lot of youth. It's a lot of guys that's trying trying to make a name for themselves and not yet one. So, yeah, it's some growing pains in Detroit for sure. For sure it is. Mm-hmm. The Vikings are going to Carolina this week. They're playing the Panthers 
uh, who are sliding a little bit. But what do we think of this one? I'm sure if I picked the Panthers and talked about Sam Darnold going to have a rebound, I'm sure you know you guys would throttle them. Oh, and I'm sure do. if I picked the Vikings, <laughs> sure if I picked the Vikings, Sam Darnold would be like, "By the way, motherfucker, seven touchdowns, suck my dick. Oh, I ran for 400 yards." <laughs> like I'm sure that's the way it would work. So for your sake, I'm going to pick the Panthers at home, hoping that Sam Darnold completely shits the bed and, and your Vikings get an easy win. Um, yeah, I. It's a very it's got a close game too. I think these are two teams that are pretty close in talent wise. While McCaffrey's hurt um, and Dalvin's banged up, you know, both those running backs in there, you got ourselves a fun ground game to watch. But um, I I like the Panthers in this one because I think what you're dealing with is a Vikings team that's still trying to learn how to to finish off teams and and when you're on the road. That, and leaving a home team with a chance to come back, the home team usually figures out a way to win that in the end. They got the fans behind them. They, the crowd picks up that momentum for them a whole lot easier. So I see the Panthers hanging around and winning it in the end because they're at home. So I'm going to take the Panthers. Um, mm-hmm. Is that what you took, Dan, or did you take the Vikings? I, I took the Panthers for your sake. Yeah. I took the Panthers. I hope we're wrong, but we'll see. Uh, okay, let's, let's talk about the other overtime game this week. Just now getting to it. What a hoot. The Packers beating the Bengals 25 to 22. How many missed field goals can you have till you get to an end of a game, Dan? Uh, apparently five. You can just have five of those motherfuckers <laughs> and uh, nothing matters. Yeah. Mason Crosby, this is one of those fucking things where you make like, you know, the old story of like, I my dad caught me smoking a cigarette, so he made me smoke a whole pack. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt LaFleur's like, you go out there and you just keep fucking kicking. It's like, it's second down. You go kick a fucking field goal, Mason. <laughs> I'm not letting you back in this house till you fucking kick a field goal. Why don't we just go down uh, score a touchdown to finish this? Uh-uh. No, it's you go kick the fucking field goal. field goal. <laughs> Suck my dick, Crosby. Go fucking get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this game should have been over like three or four times. And this was another great example of like, there was a hugely bad Joe Burrow interception in this game where I was like, what the fuck? Who the fuck were you throwing it to? This game almost felt like they were trying to give it to the Packers. Mm. And the Cincinnati team isn't fucking bad. Like, they were given Rodgers fits. The coverage was really good on Devontae Adams. I mean, you, know, you look at Devontae Adams' stat line, and you're like, how good was the coverage if that's what Devontae Adams is able to produce? But it was. It wasn't fucking brutal, and they covered up as many people as they could. Um, this is not a bad Bengals team, but, man, you can't make fucking bad decisions like they were making near the end of this game and win this thing. Um, still within a field goal winning the goddamn thing, so who knows? Right. No, it was a score-answer type of game. Um, it was funny, right before the half, Bengals had seconds left on it and was like, oh, this is usually when we hit Jamar Chase for a 50-plus yard bomb, and they did. And it was like, oh, my God, Bengals just can do this whenever they want. Um, every time the Packers answer, the Bengals would usually respond, and that's kind of how this one went back and forth. Bengals were the ones who tied it up here right before the half. Uh or right before the uh, uh, regulation at 22 all. And then, yeah, both teams had opportunities to end this one first at regulation and then in overtime with missed field goals. Uh, back and forth, it was Crosby from 36, McPherson from 57, Crosby from 51, and then into overtime, Burrow's interception. Oh, gave the ball to him at the Bengals' 17-yard line at that point, too. But they moved backwards. Uh, and kicked it a third and 15 
for Crosby. Misses from 40. So he could have even ran an extra play there, looking back. Then McPherson misses his own from 40 on a fourth and one, where they could have even gotten him closer, just a fourth and one. <laughs> and then Crosby made the 49-yarder. So, yeah, there was uh, so many times where those teams were like, okay, well, you deserve to lose now, right? But unfortunately, it was the Packers that won <laughs> for, for my tastes. But um, big one for that one, except, yeah, I got to bring this up too. Bengals QB Joe Burrow goes to the hospital after this game because he had a neck contusion. And I think that happened pretty early in this game, and he just kept playing with it until, okay, the whistle's blew. I think it's time for hospital for me. <laughs> well, you know how you get a neck contusion, right? How do you get a neck contusion, Dan? By getting throat fucked. <laughs> it was a good game. What are you talking about? How did you? Well, because, you know, right at the end, he threw an interception of the fucking overtime. Like, what the fuck was he thinking? But even like that I said, wasn't there were a the bunch decision. of bad decisions. Yeah. I know insanely enough that, like, you th- you're literally your first play in overtime is an interception. You don't lose that game. Mm. You've got to come back and win this. Uh, yeah, man. It's just, I don't know. I I feel for Joe Burrow. Um, but yeah, there's there's certain things where you're like the adrenaline wore off, and you I'm sure he was like, oh god damn it, yeah. Like, you know, have you ever been? I, I got into a motorcycle accident um, many many years ago, and I remember as soon as I dropped the bike and I'm rolling in the street and my fucking shoes fly off, and I get up and I swear to God, if you had been like, hey Dan, can you go lift that car over there? I'd have been like, uh huh, yeah. Like I it was like I was fucking coked up out of my mind. I was insane. And then once everybody's like, you okay? Yeah, you're all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And the adrenaline wore off, and I literally felt like my my blood drained out of my body. So I'm sure Joe Burrow's sitting there being like, we got to win this game. And then when that final kick goes to Mason Crosby, he's like, I need to go to the hospital. Yes, I'm very badly hurt. <laughs> so, you know, a neck contusion can be really, really dangerous, but apparently Burrow's going to be fine. So good. I, I like watching Joe Burrow play. I just need him to make better decisions. Yeah, yeah. And um, Aaron Rodgers said that too uh, he, in an interview. He's always like, he's like, Joe Burrow looks very good. He needs to learn how to slide, take care of himself. He's got a lot to to accomplish here in this NFL career, and, and I agree with him on that. Uh, he looks great. He is going to Detroit with the Bengals this week. It's Cincinnati uh, at the Detroit Lions. Who do we like? I really want Detroit to win this, but I feel like Cincinnati is so much better than them. It's insane. Um, I'm going to pick the Bengals. I I feel like this wouldn't be shocking you know, with the way that the Bengals are playing against competition. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like this might also be a bounce-back game for them to say, hey, by the way, we are at 4-2, and two, very much alive in the wild-card race. So I wouldn't be shocked to see the Bengals pull this out. And the Lions go 0-6. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be rough for the Lions, but, yeah, how, how do you pick them in this one? I like the Bengals too, but, again, I, I do kind of think the Bengals are playing to their competition a little bit. So you, you keep up with the Packers. That was at home. You take them all the way to overtime. Take them almost all the way through overtime. How do you respond with these Lions? That'll be interesting to see. So we'll see what happens there. Um, let's talk about the game that happened in Vegas. We've we've talked a lot about their head coach and stuff already today, but let's talk about the Bears winning 20-9. to None of us had it picked. We picked the, the Raiders to win it, but, of course, that was before the news broke. So give us some credit there. Uh, but the Bears controlled this one, and um, – the score really doesn't kind of tell the, the news. At one point, it was 14-9, to but the Bears really did kind of control this throughout. 14-3 uh, Bears at the half. Raiders had some stops uh, down low and fourth down plays, but uh, 
Chicago took advantage, and Chicago were the ones getting touchdowns. Yeah, you think maybe your offensive-minded head coach was a little distracted <laughs> uh, in this game, Las Vegas. It, Yeah, this one very much felt like the Raiders were kind of playing out the string, and the Bears didn't look great. I mean, Justin Fields, what he had less than 150 yards passing. Yeah. You know, like... That's that's not great. <laughs> that's that's not a great job. Um, this is not a good Bears offense, and it's crazy that Matt Nagy was supposed to be an offensive genius, and the only reason the Bears are even like alive is because their defense has been so fucking good all year. Yeah. Um. This is, but this is the way in Chicago. In Chicago, you're not allowed to have a good offense and a good defense. You're only allowed to have a good defense, never a good offense. So you're right. There isn't uh, should be an interesting rest of the year. There isn't stats really in this game. Nobody really put anything up. Ngakwe had two sacks for the Raiders. Uh, it looked like Khalil Mack was trying to to make a statement in his return game a little bit, and he was putting some pressure in there. Carr gets knocked out at a play in an early fourth, but he does finish that drive because it ended with the touchdown with the two-point conversion that did wasn't successful so you know the Raiders are showing some some guff here and I think they do you know hang around I don't think this is them free falling but it's a really question on the camaraderie in that locker room right now and where's that at after all this uh because if they were all 100% behind Gruden, then this is going to really hurt because he's going to let them down quite a bit moving forward. Um, but the Bears are continuing to move forward with Fields, and I want to use that as a segue for the oldest matchup in the NFL history, the Green Bay Packers go to Chicago in Soldier Field. While it's still there in Soldier Field. Packers, Bears, Dan, who do you like? First off, I like your voiceover work right there. Yeah. That's pretty right. good. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very evocative. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just too many weapons on the offense for the Packers, and the Packers' defense isn't abysmal, and Justin Fields isn't getting anything done offensively. It's an unbalanced game. I know it's at home, but Aaron Rodgers ain't got no... Aaron Rodgers does not consider Soldier Field a fucking boogeyman. They know Aaron Rodgers is the fucking boogeyman. So I think this is a pretty easy Packers win. I don't know about easy, but I still like Packers. Uh, Packers, yeah, and and Aaron Rodgers own uh, the Bears in that stadium. That just seems to be the history there. Um, but it's never been easy for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it will again, but Packers are so, uh, so much a better team on paper. So I like Green Bay too. Let's continue the Steelers one, and they beat the Denver Broncos, who find themselves in a little bit of a free fall. They lost 19-27. to um, Bridgewater had uh, our man Sutton going. He had 120 yards and a touchdown in this one, but Roethlisberger uh, had two touchdowns. He's leaning heavy on his new uh, running back, uh, Harris, there, 142 total yards from scrimmage. And the Steelers did lose Smith-Schuster, who will be done for the season. So a bunch more Claypool on tap for the Raiders moving from here. Less Claypool is joining. There's more Less Claypool. More of Less Claypool. Um, oh, good. There's just one of the great bassists. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it is always the case with the Steelers that they're like, oh, shit, one of our wide receivers went down. Uh, yeah, that's fine. No one gives a shit. You yeah. know, it's like... Chase Claypool's came out of nowhere. Deontay Johnson kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and then now, finally, you know, we have Washington, who's going to be arriving again as a second-round pick that never really turned himself into much. But Juju's gone. He, you're the number three, buddy. So James Washington, um, you ain't catching any passes from your, your old pally, the backup. Um, 
but yeah, this is this is going to be still like a mildly effective Steelers team. I still don't think the Steelers are going anywhere, but maybe the Denver Broncos aren't either. Um, this record of Denver at three and two feels a lot closer to reality than when they were three and one or three and zero. Oh. Yeah, I I want to say that this is more. The Broncos aren't as good as they started off. It was who they play. Then the Steelers are going to be figuring this thing out from here. Um, and it was in Pittsburgh too. But if you look at the score, the Steelers controlled this thing. Late third, it was six to twenty-four at that point. So they kind of had a good handle on this from the from the word go. Uh, that's yeah. yeah. That's should be panic time for the Broncos because if you can't hold up with the the Steelers and how they're looking now, then then good luck. But also the Steelers were dealing with a lot of junk going into that game. It was a lot of Roethlisberger's done. We said it. I think the NFL was saying it for what they saw in the previous uh, game. So I think he was wanting to prove some stuff there in front of his home fans. So Steelers stay alive here for another week kind of thing is what I feel like too. But do I trust them as like going to be a playoff team? Not yet. I don't really yet. Yeah. Uh, how about the... Vegas Raiders with their new head coach they have to play the Denver Broncos in mile high this week what do we think here well this is going to be interesting Mm -hmm. um you know this is a Denver team that's like hey man can we fucking write this ship can we go four and two and you're looking at a Las Vegas team that's asking the same fucking question um I think because it's in Denver because the Raiders are so in the public eye right now I I don't see a rally. I'm going to pick the Broncos at home to win this game against a Raiders team that's going to be confused offensively. I'm going to pick the rally. I'm going to pick that the Raiders figure it out. Um, they, they lean on what they know of work. That Waller on some short ones, Jacobs heavy, and Carr just doesn't make mistakes and uh, doesn't turn the ball over. And as long as you do that, I think I think they could beat this Broncos team here. Now it's a divisional game, so that means everything's up in the air. But I like the Raiders. I'm going to still stick with them this year. But I think you're right. This is the game where we figure out just how well are you going to hold on right now, Vegas? Yeah. Like how well you, you started so good. How well do you ride this storm? Let's start with the divisional matchup on the road. Who boy. Um, hey, let's go all the way back to last Thursday. Do you remember it, Dan? Because um, due to some substances I ingest, I'm having a hard time. Uh, the Rams beat the Seahawks 26-17, to 17, or so my notes tell me. No, uh, Matt Stafford had a great game. Uh, 365 yards, touchdown, he did have a pick. But um, it, the story was Russell Wilson getting knocked out uh, – in the was it second quarter of this one third quarter probably third quarter yeah you get everyone's seen the 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 pictures already in the video of him walking off with his finger just gnarled up on his throwing hand and when you're a quarterback and you lose one of your fingers it's going to be hard to throw the ball so he didn't return from this one and we got to see geno smith again there's a blast from the past he threw a touchdown too in fact they both threw interceptions both threw touchdowns dk metcalf and the Seahawks came up short. They didn't have Chris Carson, and it just didn't feel good from the word go against this good Rams team. This is a good Rams team that beat a decent Seahawks team with an exceptional quarterback. 
I'm going to surprise you. Oh? Because we've talked about an 0-5 Lions team. We've talked about an 0-5 Jaguars team. And I am giving out my first tombstone. Oh, we are a tombstone season, folks. Because it's spooky. It's uh, it's October already. <laughs> my tombstone is going to... And don't worry, it's not for the Rams. I don't hate them that much. It's not... Jared Goff's gone. Um, I'm going to put it on the Seahawks. Russell Wilson being gone for four weeks... This team is done. Mm. This team is going to lose four straight games. That's brutal. That will take you out of contention in the NFC West. That is a tombstone. If I'm the Seahawks, I'm looking at, you know, all my options in the draft and going, hey, I'm going to hold on to Russell, but maybe I can get another playmaker here if, uh, you know, we just kind of play out the string and and maybe go like, shit, I don't know, five and twelve. Um, that's pretty reasonable i mean if you sit russell wilson the rest of the year geno smith's not going to get it done maybe he'll surprise me but i'm placing my first tombstone of the year um because i don't even really place tombstones on jacksonville and detroit that's (laughs) rude it's a waste of limestone um my first tombstone of the year goes to the seahawks yeah so it's going to be tough it's certainly going to be tough because you're talking four to five weeks i think is what they're saying that he's going to miss so even if there's a bye week in there you're missing at least four games um we saw the Saints ride that out with Teddy Bridgewater um, when Drew Brees went out a few weeks back, or seasons back, excuse me. Uh, we saw the Saints do it, but this is a different team. This is a different setup, and this is a team that never invested in an offensive line to help Russell Wilson. So is Geno Smith going to find time back there? Heck no, not especially in a full week where they can realize they don't have to worry about Wilson back there, and it's it's Smith, so... Yeah, it's going to get tough, and it's going to get tough immediately on Sunday night football as they go to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. The Seahawks at Steelers, and that's their first test without Russ. Dan, you already picked I'm going to pick the Steelers. (laughs) You said four straight. I'm going to pick the Steelers. I mean, so this is the hard thing, man. Like, If the Steelers were coming to Seattle, I wouldn't have placed the tombstone. I'd be like, let me see what happens this week. But they got to go across the country to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, who clearly play better at home than they do on the road. Um, this is this is going to be a bad game. You know, the Pittsburgh defense is going to give Geno Smith fits, and uh, yeah, I think the Steelers are going to do just enough offensively to to win this game. Yeah, um, Seahawks losing four straight games. I know you, Dan, already looked at the four teams they're going to lose to, but uh, let me just run it through for the people. Uh, it's the Steelers one, and then it's home against the Saints. Dan's got him losing that one. He's got him losing home against the Jaguars. Oh, that's surprising. And then on the road against the Green Bay Packers. They're going to lose all those, Dan? <laughs> I think they're going to lose all those. I think that's the Jaguars' first win of the season. Nice. I'm gonna, <laughs> I like holding your feet to that fire. Oh, sorry. But... Second win of the season because they're going to win this week in, in, uh, in London. There you go. All right. Uh, they're home away from home, yes. Uh, the L.A. Rams are to New York to face those banged-up Giants. Yeah, this is a this is a bad get-right game for New York, I'll tell you that much. Um, I don't think it's going to be a bad game for New York. I don't think they're going to get throttled because um, the Rams are traveling all the way across the country. Um, but, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's weird, man. It's <laughs> I feel bad for the Giants. This is the first time in a long time I felt bad for the Giants. But the Rams are going to take this heartily. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see Daniel Jones with um, you know some some 
talent around him type of thing, and we were almost kind of getting there. Their win in New Orleans with Saquon looking good was like, oh, this could be it. And how how did they fare against these uh, Cowboys? And then Saquon rolls his uh, ankle real bad, and uh, Dan Jones gets himself knocked out, like on his feet, knocked out. So didn't look good, and it's gonna it's gonna be shaky from this point on. So I like the Rams. But- I think the Rams look very good. Yeah. By the way, Daniel Jones knocked his own ass out. All right, yeah. let's you know. But he was on his feet. dirty hit. Then he stood up there and tries to walk back to the, ugh, stumbled. And that was when you realized, okay, well you're not coming back. You know, it could have been yeah. a concussion for let's say Derek Carr on uh, the game against the the Bears, but because he laid there on the the field, got up when he felt okay, went over and sat in the tent for a couple plays, he was able to come back out. Now I think they said it was a, obviously wasn't a concussion but they daniel jones there could have been some sneaky stuff here but he popped up to his feet and then it was obvious he was still dizzy oh it's yeah. scary it's scary that stuff that's i mean shit the still one of the scariest things i ever saw in the field was luke keekley's brain injury man oh yeah that shit was fucked up um yeah daniel jones got his bell fucking rung um speedy recovery to everybody there i love watching saquon when he's healthy i like watching danny dimes i you know i don't think he's a great quarterback so i hope the giants hold on to him yeah (laughs) um we only got a couple more games to discuss here for week five uh we need to talk about the one on sunday night uh bills beating the chiefs 38 to 20 Dan, you picked it. I was the one who was thinking it was going to be the Chiefs. My mom picked the Bills as well, so she got us on, she got me on that one. But uh, Bills looked super impressive in this one. Chiefs tried to keep up, and you kept feeling like maybe they were going to. The Chiefs were going to snack some things and, and, and put up some points in there, but the Bills and that defense and that offense kept scoring, and they look maybe like they're the class of the NFL right now. I am a little worried about this Buffalo Bills team who has no fucking running game whatsoever. They didn't last and year. It doesn't Yeah. It doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. It doesn't seem to matter, but it does seem to matter in the playoffs, you know? And so as as much as it is impressive that they're doing what they're doing, um I don't think it's sustainable. You know, Josh Allen looked great, had a bunch of Josh Allen as the MVP type plays, but Josh Allen went 15 to 26 passing. He was breaking off big ass fucking chunks yeah, he was because this was a this was a Chiefs team that did not have their full complement of defensive players. You know, Frank Clark was held to nothing. Frank Clark had a touchdown. You know, he was not playing at a hundred percent. This is not a one hundred percent Chiefs defense, and he was just gashing them. Still, Buffalo looks really good at four and one, and is completely gotten rid of the spooky ghosts of that Steelers loss to start the year. Um, this team is legit. I just hope Cole Beasley doesn't infect everybody with COVID. <laughs> Getting booed in his own home stadium, apparently. Um, the uh, Chiefs kept trying to be the Chiefs. They try, you know, a fourth and uh, short to go instead of trying like a, a long field goal, things like that. Um, but the Bills were up twenty-four to thirteen at the half here, and then the, yeah, this was the game that had the delay due to uh, inclement weather. And then um, it was once we came back into this game, it was all Bills in the third quarter. So it was thirty-one to thirteen heading into the fourth. Now the Chiefs were heading into the end zone at that time, but oh no, did they throw it over there? Yeah, they got the touchdown there, and then the interception on the deep pass called back for oh, okay. So the 
there was a point in this game where I thought maybe the Chiefs were coming back, and there's a questionable roughing the passer call on on there. So there there was a point there that if you called that correctly and give the Chiefs the opportunity to make right with that interception they had on that play, I'd like to see what happened with that game going forward. But other than that, this was all Buffalo, and that's what I saw. Yeah, Buffalo on the road. We, I talked about this. You need to have a signature win, and this is a signature win for Buffalo. Really good team. If they can get a running game going, even more dangerous. But right now it's like, uh, unless you've got an all-star that can match up with Josh Allen, good fucking luck because uh, there's too many weapons on the outside that they're just going to throw it all over everybody. And speaking of running game, that's going to be something the Chiefs are going to have issues with too moving forward. They lost Edwards Elaire. Well, he's got an MCL sprain. He's going to go to IR, which means he'll be at least three weeks out. Um, the rumor is they're looking into what the trade would be for Mac with the Colts, who was on the trading block a couple of weeks ago. We brought up so Chiefs are still believing there, you know, and I think they need to that they're still in this, even though they're for two weeks in a row riding the bottom of this division now and do have their work cut out for them to catch up here in the AFC. Uh, it might be a road uh, route for them, but they have the talent there. Their defense needs a big old fix before that, but when they can put up points against anybody, I think, yeah, just see what they do there. So I'm, I am I have faith that Andy Reid can still turn this thing around, but he's got to do it quick. He's got to do it in big spots. Uh, we get a Monday night football where the Bills are remaining in prime time. They're going to Tennessee to play the Titans. It's Bills-Titans. I'm going to surprise you. Oh, I'm going to pick the Titans. That That's a pretty big surprise. Yeah, why are we picking the Titans, Dan? So I think the Titans are going to slow this game down big time. I think they are going to try to get pressure up the middle. I think they are going to try to basically say, Josh Allen, you're going to need to run this. You know, we're blanketing. We're going to go fucking like full quarters coverage this whole fucking time. Run where you can. But we've got, <laughs> it's like the Avengers where it's like, I have this and I have this. Well, we've got a fucking Derrick Henry. So we're in this thing. And if you want to get into a fucking street fight, let's go. This is going to be at home in Tennessee. I think Tennessee takes it by the narrowest of margins. And Derrick Henry has a fucking bananas game. Um, I think Josh Allen's still going to be good, but I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. And Tennessee takes it narrowly. I get it. You like the matchup. I like the matchup. But yeah, a team that can run, run the ball all day long against a team that can, uh, lose themselves in a in a drive and have to give the ball back because they don't have the way to control it. Um it makes sense, but I'm not I, I'm going to take this uh another game over you Dan and take the Bills. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> we're realizing I'm, I jumped up on you this week here in picks and uh, if you're just going to hand me ones like this, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I like Buffalo. Um one more game, let's wrap this thing up with the Saints winning in Washington, our nation's capital, 33-22. to 22. Myself and my mom picked this one, Dan. You had the Washington on this one. So in this one, it was uh, Jameis Winston with four touchdowns. Uh, Kamara coming up big, two touchdowns himself. Callaway, two touchdowns. And then Heineke turned it over twice with interceptions. Hopkins had a good game with the field goals, but uh, in the end, the uh, football team tried to make it close. But the Saints, Saints stepped away in the fourth quarter. I feel sick to my stomach that I picked the Washington football team to win anything ever. <laughs> so, really went on you. a limb. 
Yeah, that taught me, uh, fuck this Washington team forever. Um, yeah, I, I still feel like the goddamn Saints are so schizophrenic, I have no idea what they are. Sure. Um, I still need a couple more weeks to kind of figure it out. They're 3-2, and two, and that seems about right. Um, and Washington, 2-3, and three, and that seems about right. And I don't think Washington's going to get another win this week either. Oh. Yeah, um, Saints are, yeah, fine kind of thing here, but uh, they did have to do this in, in crazy ways. They had a uh, halftime Hail Mary down there to Callaway for that touchdown, and you you don't usually get stuff like that, so that, that was helpful in this one. Um, yeah, the football team, you, you led to it. Let's talk about it. It's the last game for, bless you, it's the last game for week six. Yes, it is Chiefs at Washington, uh, Kansas City trying to get right, so you think Kansas City will do so, huh? I do. I Even coming across the country, having to play this game in D.C., I think it's going to be a Chiefs win. Yeah, I don't trust Washington. Um, Taylor Heineke, man, he he's putting everything out there, and he keeps playing real strong. But uh, he made some big old mistakes in this one, and I think that's that's deep down what we know where we're getting from the guy. So, yeah, I like uh, the Chiefs here too. I'm going to keep picking these Chiefs. I know what they're capable of. I have the faith. Let's go. And then the New Orleans Saints are on a bye week. So there you go. That's Every game from week five, and that's what every team is doing this week, weekend coming up here for week six. The bye weeks, the big games, the future two-minute no offenses. We just hit them all, so I hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as we did. Uh, what fun. Let's uh, let's wrap up the show, Dan. Uh, get everybody caught up. Maybe when the bye weeks start, we'll have a show that's under an hour and 50 minutes. No, no, not possible. We love it too much. We'll just extend more as we talk about the next head coach that makes an ass of himself off the field. <laughs> um, let's, uh, all right, to get caught up on the picks, I did take you over you in the lead this week, but only by one. I now have 51 correct for the uh, season, and Dan, you're at 50. I'm averaging ten a week. You're averaging ten I need a week. You to slip up. Yeah, I had a I had a nice week this week, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm moving forward here for here because it's going to be tight. Um, and then yeah, other than that, I've just got crazy stats coming up here. So thank you guys again for listening to the Push Off Podcast. Uh, we love doing this show. Uh, we're on our way here through uh, into week six of eighteen regular season weeks, and then the playoffs. So you got a good cup. Uh, half more year here with us so stick around and uh, tell your friends everybody keep listening because we got a lot more football to talk about things are going to shift around big injuries are going to happen and who knows somebody can catch fire so listen at uh, thepushoff.com or where you get your podcasts and listen to all our friends at universehead.com as well okay Dan you ready for some crazy stats oh yeah always here's what I got I want to talk about my Vikings who had their first it's a walk-off field goal win behind. So from okay. a tie. It's their first one since December of 2008. Thank you. That's a long time. Usually we're on the opposite end of those if we're the Vikings, yes. Um here's a fun one. Lamar Jackson now has more total yards, 1860 from scrimmage than 17 other teams in the league. <laughs> he's a real one. Yeah. And we've talked about it. Maybe he's, maybe he's an MVP again. And then finally, 
the Buffalo Bills, and and this is how good they are. They are currently first in points allowed at 12.8 points per game, first in points scored per game at 34.4 points per game, and first in takeaways with 15. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good way to start the season. Let's see how they do against those Titans. You feel so confident on Dan. No, all right. I'm done giving you the grill. <laughs> Let's uh, call it a show for for the uh, the week. Thank you guys again. Uh, Dan, any parting words of wisdom? This is just an annual reminder to everybody out there to every three years or so, delete all of your social media accounts and start over. Uh, because they will be used against you in a court of public opinion. Fair enough. All right. Deleting now. Thank you, guys. I am Scott. And this is Dan. We will catch you next week. Enjoy all the football games. Goodbye. Goodbye.